Hi, everybody, and welcome to Where You Belong, the podcast where we explore spaces, places, and experiences where we allow ourselves to be. My name is Anna Chapman, and I'll be your guide on this adventure. And today I am so freaking excited because we have an amazing guest and a guest I've never met before uh, our conversation, and that is Nicola Salmon. And Nicola is based out of the UK. And the reason I am so excited to talk to her is because she speaks and works with fat fertility. And that's something that I'm super passionate about because there's so much weight stigma, there's so much misinformation, and so little data around pregnancy and fat folks and how it's actually not as hard as we think. It's not impossible, and we just need to find the right care and support um, to be able to do it. So I could not be more excited about this episode. Let me tell you a little bit more about Nicola. She has, the way we, I actually found her was that she wrote, edited, and published a book all by herself called Fat Positive Fertility. Um it's awesome. It has her own personal experience as it, as well as information and data that she's collected along the way. She's also a coach working with fat individuals on how to work with their bodies, how to destigmatize getting pregnant as a fat person, how to work with IVF and all these different things. Um, and how to really honor yourself throughout the process. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. She has really taken this space as a beacon for me personally to unlearn all of the ideas around how um, fat bodies reproduce and how we um, walk through pregnancy and how we take care of our bodies um, through that process. So I don't even want to say anything else because this conversation is so exciting and juicy and really sweet that I just want you to get into it. It's full of tips. It's full of ideas. Um, and if you're wanting to engage with Nicola in her coaching or just wanting some information, the beautiful thing about her is that she shares a lot of data and information for free because she knows we already pay the fat tax and we deserve to have access to this type of information when working with this very vulnerable stage of the potentiality for infertility. So you can find her on Instagram at fat positive fertility and she's super open always in her dms able to talk to you if you have specific questions um i highly recommend reaching out and getting some support so as always you can find me at i am anna chapman hit me up send a dm of a question you have about the episode or how it landed for you you can also email i am anna chapman at gmail.com and just let us know what you think of the episode I am so grateful to be recording again. We're in 2021, so it's awesome. Without further ado, I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Belonging with Nicola.
Inside each and every one of us, there is a desire to belong, to know that we can show up as we are without judgment or justification, to know what it feels like to be wanted and longed for, to know the power of community. But what if each and every one of us had the power to create belonging from within? What if there were people already building spaces for you to be you? What if they believe so deeply in the power of connections, justice, collaboration, creativity, and empathy that they knew it could heal the world? That is where you belong. In the exploration of spaces, places, and experiences where we allow ourselves to be free, there is a place where you belong. Welcome. We've been waiting for you to arrive. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here and to have a really sweet guest. So today on the show, we have Nicola Salmon, and I have never had the opportunity of chatting with Nicola until this moment. And so I'm so very excited to have you. Hi, Nicola. Hi, I am so thrilled to be here. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this. Oh my gosh, me too. And so for those who are new to your work, can you please explain a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my self-given title is that I'm a fat positive fertility coach, which means that I support fat folks who want to get pregnant, but without dieting and weight loss. I love that so much. It's so (laughs) needed. Um, And that's actually how I ran into you is that I, um, I just have noticed, I have a lot of friends who are um, in the birthing world and who are doulas and there's such a big gaping space where fat people are kind of like, what do we do and how do we work within this Medicare medical system? Like how do we sort of find our space and how do we, you know, get actual real true information about fertility? Um, Mm. Because I feel like there's so much propaganda out there for fat people around um, our bodies and around um, birthing and, and all of the things that you kind of work with. So I'm so excited to be talking with you today. You're right. I mean, there is so much misinformation about that out there about fertility, especially, and it's all based on this like level assumption that being fat is unhealthy. As soon mm. as you take away that foundational kind of assumption, everything starts to fall apart. Like all the research, it's just wild how much bias there is in the research field and in the fertility clinics themselves. And so what, how did you get into this line of work? Like, tell me about your journey um, and, and your, how you like got really passionate about doing this work. So it all kind of started when I was 16. I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, um, which is like a hormonal and metabolic condition that affects a lot of folks now. Um, yeah. I see figures from like one in three people that are impacted by it um but at the time you know this was 20 years ago now we didn't have the internet nobody really I didn't know anybody else who had it um didn't have any information about it and the doctor 
who diagnosed me told me that I wouldn't be able to have kids. So I kind of expect it to be really hard. Um, and of course, the uh, diagnosis came with a well, weight loss will fix it, right? Of course. I mean, of course. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> what doesn't it fix? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, you know, kind of what I spent most of my teens and my 20s trying to do, trying to fix what I thought was broken with me. Um, mm. It impacted my self-confidence, my, you know, belief in my body. I thought I was broken. I thought nobody would ever love me because I didn't think I could have children. You know, it kind of shook the foundations of who I was and it impacted, you know, my grades and so many pieces of my life at that point. Mm. Um, and obviously my whole, then, you know, my whole world became about making my body smaller and it was all consuming. It was just, you know, wow what a journey and that continued up until you know kind of my early 30s but in between those times um I got into acupuncture which was kind of like my kind of gateway drug into running my own business um, I love it <laughs> I um, started as an acupuncturist and became really interested in fertility specifically because of my own hormonal stuff then um, I really realized when I was doing the work that I was so lacking in skills around like how to support folks emotionally because fertility is just one of those points in your life when you are so vulnerable and, you know, it impacts every single piece of your world. And I just felt that, you know, I could do so much more to support folks if I knew more about how to support them emotionally. Um so I trained as a coach a fertility coach and that's kind of what started me off into kind of like online business and started to you know look at how I could reach folks further afield than just seeing people one-to-one um but it wasn't until I was ready to start trying to get pregnant for myself and actually got pregnant really easily that it kind of planted a seed of like oh okay well that wasn't true kind of what the doctor had told me what I was expecting to happen wasn't true and it kind of really got me thinking about well if that wasn't true you know why why are fat people told that we can't get pregnant why is there this huge assumption that it's you know really difficult for fat folks to get pregnant and I was still terrified like during my pregnancy I was expecting every bad thing to happen that we're told will um yeah I was, you know, really anxious all the way through expecting things to go wrong, but nothing happened. Um, it wow. was completely unremarkable. <laughs> and, you know, it was just, you know, when I had a baby and I was like, wow, okay, this is full on. And there was no space for dieting in my life at that point. And there was no space for, for weight loss. And so I ended up just at this point where I was like, this is just taking up so much of my brain. I cannot do this anymore. I just cannot um, go through the rest of my life trying to make myself smaller. And I had such a realization that what I was saying about my body and food, you know, this tiny human was absorbing every single piece of it. And I did not want that to happen. So 
quit dieting, quit weight loss. And then luckily, you know, thank God for Instagram and the internet, I was able to find other people who were also in fat bodies doing phenomenal things, just living their lives, you know. Yes. And that was like my way into really starting to just enjoy life and live my life in a fat body and just be so grateful for what my body was capable of and it was only kind of when those two worlds collided kind of my work and my own personal journey into kind of body acceptance and fat acceptance that I realized how wild the fertility world is with diets it's rife with diet culture yeah it just made me so mad that I had to do something I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel ready, but I was just like, you know, there's nobody talking about how harmful this is for so many people going through, um, you know, fertility struggles. And I just could not, not talk about it anymore. Wow. I love that. And I totally understand that feeling because that's kind of what got me into the movement spaces. I did. I wasn't like, I'm here to teach yoga. I was like, <laughs> why is no one in my class doing this that looks like me? Why are people um, not having access? And I, it was intolerable. So I, I think that's brilliant that you um, stepped into this space. And, and I can imagine um, how, how much of a mind fuck it would be to have worked your whole life thinking, oh, this is going to be impossible. I'm not going to be able to do this. My body doesn't have what it takes. And then to just easily sort of flow through your pregnancy. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was, it wasn't easy, but all of those barriers that you thought were there were not. Um, and, and I've had many people come to me um, asking me like, Okay, so they say that we're not supposed, you know, the fat activist movement says that our bodies aren't unhealthy um, and we don't need to change the shape of our bodies. However, I'm so confused about how to get pregnant. I'm so confused about um, if I can. And, And I think it's like there's so much... There's so much propaganda when weight stigma is involved and there's such little information around um, fat bodies because we don't have the data, the years and years of data that other other bodies have received. So I'm curious, like, what would you say? I'm, this is like the advice moment. Like if someone is like, I have this fear, this idea, this deep-seated idea that I can't get pregnant. But I actually have no idea if that's possible. It's just really related to my, you know, internalized fat phobia, this idea that a fat body isn't as fertile, which it doesn't even make sense on a, like, when I'm thinking of it. But if there is that, you know, even I have that of myself that I'm like, well, can I get pregnant? Um, So I'm curious, like, what are some things that you sort of invite people to start to do when they're they're trying to unlearn or even challenge the idea that they can't get pregnant because they're in a fat body. Yeah, I mean, those messages are all around us. So it's about really 
finding the tools that are going to help you to see the world differently. So for people who love data, like look at the research, like I've started compiling as much as I physically can, like research that supports the idea that fat folks absolutely get pregnant as easily and, you know, really trying to explore with the limited information that we have about fat bodies, you know, what's actually going on. Um, so if you're the data person, like definitely looking at the research and see what actually is going on. If you're more of a visual person, like try and follow like in, like hashtags like, you know, fat positive pregnancy and plus size pregnancy mm. and just see all these phenomenal fat bodies getting pregnant. And, you know, just having that visual every day coming into your feed, it really normalizes seeing fat folks in pregnant, you know, in, in pregnancy and we just don't have that representation in the media at the moment. So it's so valuable to be able to see that like regularly. And it really affirms that this is a really normal thing. And fat people get pregnant all the time. Yes. I love that. And that's, you know, that's the advice I give someone who's like, I don't think I can do, um, you know, movement or I don't see myself as a, as being having access to fashion it's like change what you see so i love that invitation of representation because it's something you don't think about because i'm not like oh i want to see a diverse group of pregnant bodies that's not something that i'm like cognitively seeking mm-hmm. and yet there is this huge gaping hole of of bodies that look like mine who are 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 pregnant and so i could I, I'm going to take that advice just personally um, because I love I love the fact that like we really sometimes can't fathom it in the, until we can see it. And so just normalizing that would be such a great tool. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm I'm curious now, like, what are some of the biggest myths that you run into? Like, I just kind of want to take this time to to destigmatize, or like, you know, I'm sure you get clients that come in and there's like the five things that they're like, well, I know this is true. And you're like, well, actually, I don't think it is. There are so many good things. <laughs> but like, I guess, like, one of the biggest ones is that either like fat people, don't get pregnant as often or that they take longer to get pregnant like this is like something that we've all I think internalized as fat folks that this is going to be more difficult for us um and that has a real life problem in so much as that we that means that we put off going to see the doctor if we're struggling because we've normalized that it's going to take longer or you know we're not we're not trying to access the help that we might need in a as timely way as folks in thinner bodies. But actually, when you look at the very little research that we do have, um, A, the same number of fat folks get pregnant as thin folks, Mm. and B, there is a slight delay for fat folks, but it's one month. It's like such a small amount of time. And it's, you know, like if you think about, you know, the way that fat folks are treated by fertility, clinics and you know accessing tests and treatments from their doctor it's totally understandable that on average it would take you know that month longer because we just don't get access to care in the same way so Mm. that is a huge one for folks to start to kind of 
reframe and think about in their minds because as soon as we get rid of that one we can start to understand that hey yes actually if it's taking that bit longer I still I still should seek you know care from my doctor if if I'm able to um and you know people are absolutely deserving of that care hopefully in a compassionate way but you know we know it always doesn't go down like that and if someone's going to the doctor, so like you, you've said, like seek care. So, what does that look like? Is that like okay? So I'm ready to have a baby. I am in. I'm in connecting points with my partner. We are, we are actively trying. It's like when is the time to go seek support? How does that like? Is there a time? So they often recommend waiting 12 months of kind of like um, unprotected penis and vagina sex um, okay. if you're in a heterosexual couple um, to see, you know, that, you know, the majority of couples will get pregnant in within 12 months. If you are older, kind of, I think maybe above like 36, 37, um, then they recommend waiting six months because... Whilst it isn't this huge cliff that folks fall off when they get to, you know, late 30s, early 40s, it, you know, age does have an impact. So it's more important to see folks in a timely manner. But what I see with fat folks is that we late, we wait that bit longer, mainly mm. from a self-preservation perspective, because we've had experiences with doctors in the past where we have been ignored, dismissed you know, told that weight loss is the only solution. So we're protecting ourselves from from having that experience. Um, But, you know, it means that if there is something, you know, wrong, if there is something going on that needs to be supported with, you know, healthcare, that we're being delayed, you know, that test and that treatment to get that care. So it's, it's such a difficult difficult thing to navigate because you want to protect yourself and your mental health from having that experience but at the same time you know sometimes we just need a bit of extra support and all bodies do um but until you get those tests and get things checked out you don't know what's going on yeah and and I think that that makes sense that that would be a huge barrier is is the self-preservation piece because it can be so demoralizing just going for a checkup, let alone, you know, the the very, as you spoke about earlier, vulnerable place of like trying to get information about your fertility, trying to figure out how to do it well. I feel like fat folks are, we're not developing these beautiful relationships with our doctors. We're just trying to find someone that can humanize us. Mm. And it's, I've had I've had a handful of friends who found doctors that like really could see them and the care is next level um because they're not afraid to bring all of what they're experiencing forward but I even know within myself you know I've waited years to go have something checked out just because of the way in which I'm received at the doctor it can be so demoralizing and dehumanizing. 100%. Is there any advice that you give to your clients when they're trying to find like a trusted physician or doctor? Like how do you help them um, navigate that? 
So the first kind of tip, if you will, I give folks is to kind of try and crowdsource some information. So I've created like a blog post on my website of like clinics that folks have recommended to me in fat bodies where they've had a positive experience. So at least as a starting point for Mm. like finding someone who may be more open, obviously things change and, you know, fat bodies aren't a monolith. So we're all going to be treated differently depending on how we are. Um, But it just gives folks a starting point. And, you know, I always recommend to people, you know, if you're in a fat local group, you know, asking there or, you know, sometimes I'll do shout outs on my Instagram stories to help people find clinics that might be supportive. Um, And often, you know, for folks that I'm working with, like one to one or in groups, I'll do some of that work for them. So I'll contact clinics, I'll ask them about their people of size policy, or I'll ask them, you know, how many fat folks they've worked with, what limits they may have, just to take away some of that emotional labor. From Beautiful. People, because it's exhausting, right? Yeah. Like having to do all this work that you shouldn't have to do is so exhausting. And, you know, anything that I can do to make that easier for folks, I'm so willing to do. That's beautiful. And I think like crowdsourcing is such an important part of being fat and finding, (laughs) you know, like I'm not ever buying a piece of clothing if I haven't seen it on somebody with a body that is comparable to mine, seeing the stretch, you know, like I, I crowdsource everything. I'm not usually even eating a meal without being like, Ooh, that looks good from someone else. So of course we would want to check in with the community on resourcing like safe spaces for us to really seek this vulnerable care. And I love that you have resources on your website. You also have this little thing that you wrote, which is a whole book about fat fertility. Can we talk about that please? (laughs) Yeah. So I wrote it about three or four years ago now. And, um, it's kind of like a combination of like my own journey and mm. coaching tools that I've created and also kind of some of the research that I'd started collating at that point around, you know, access and actually, you know, how great fertility treatments work for fat bodies and some of the ethics around it. Um, and it's just blown my mind that, you know, I've been able to publish this book. So I, you know, wrote it, edited it, published it myself. And wow. Yeah. It just, you know, for me, it was just that every single fertility book that I opened or wanted to recommend to people, I couldn't because it was just lose weight, weight loss. You know, that was all it talked about. So I was like, you know, it's not fair that this whole group of people don't have a book that, you know, that is affirming and that is not going to stigmatize and shame them. So that was really why I did it. And it was terrifying. (laughs) But, you know, I'm so glad I did it now. And whilst it does need some updates in terms of language and things that I've learned over the past four years, you know, I still get messages from folks who say they just feel so seen reading it and they just are so grateful that a book like that exists for them. Well, and and I think it, it it's you're magical because you created this book. I had no idea you self-published this and self-edited it. Um, and I actually found it in a time where... Um, I had, it was, I th- it was like a, a false test I had taken and it was like exciting and scary and I didn't know what to do. And then a friend was 
And it turned out not to be. It was just like a false positive. But then I was like, well, what do I do if I do want to do this? And and how do I do it? And I got so flustered and confused. And a friend um, sent me a link to your book. And I was like, what? This exists? And it was like such a soothing balm for the moment um, for me to know that like when I do want to take that next step in that place, there is someone who I can, you know, reach to for information that's not going to make me feel um, like the only thing I can do as a first step is to lose weight because I know that that's not true. And it's kind of been the idea that's kept me from even getting curious about like what it would look like for a pregnancy for me. And so honestly, your book, and I haven't even finished it. I've just been kind of like <laughs> working with it as I, I need a little bit of support, but just having it has made me feel um, like it's like a t- community tool that I now share with a lot of people because I've had multiple people come to me in the fit of an emotional moment of being like, I don't think this is happening for me if I don't lose weight. And I've been like, stop what you're doing, find this book, go follow Nicola. Because just you being a beacon of you don't have to do it that other way is so important. So personally, I'm like a super fan of you. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you know. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's so nice to hear that, you know, because when you work for yourself, you just like, you put stuff out and you have no idea the impact that it has in the world, right? Like, it's just like this yeah. lonely little place that I sit in my little office and <laughs> yeah. do what I do. And, you know, it's, it's, it just, yeah, it brings me to tears that it, it touches people like that. And it's, it just makes all the crappy bits worthwhile, you know, like all the trolls and all the hard yeah. stuff where you feel like, oh my God, if I was just thin, I'd be like, you know, I'd have a book deal and I'd be able to do all this stuff. And, you know, all the roadblocks yeah. that you get, it just makes it all worthwhile. Oh no. Yes. You are so amazing. <laughs> I, and and I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation and share, um, you know, this, and I'm hoping in the future we can do more things together because I think it's like, you are, are you're starting a revolution and you're part of, you know, we're, we're all part of this um, fat liberation movement, but it starts with really like getting the true facts about how our bodies work, how we care for ourselves. And so like, we've been talking a lot about from the perspective of the fat person, but you know, I think a lot of different people listen to this podcast. And so I'm curious, like for the healthcare providers that might be listening, um, I like to ask this question and I'm going to kind of phrase it in that um, way is I always like to ask like, what are three things that for your community to feel really supported that they would need? And instead I want to ask you, Nicola, what are three things that um, doctors or health providers can do or say or have on hand to make this very vulnerable process a little less scary for fat folks? I think the way that they advertise their services can be really powerful way to include folks. So whether that's fat folks, black folks, queer folks, trans folks, 
you know, the, by having positive representation and having statements on your website that you're inclusive in your care and that you explicitly state, like, you know, we support fat folks by doing this and we support trans folks by doing this, you know, having being thought of, I think, is such a powerful way, knowing that they have actually taken the time to consider what your needs might be and put things in place and be willing to then be open and have conversations about how they need to ch- may need to change and tweak things is such a powerful way to to create and begin to foster a safer space. That's beautiful. So that's one. <laughs> I love it. I think that's awesome and so important. Because I will not call you if I go to your website and I don't <laughs> think it's a safe place for my body, you know? Absolutely. Um, what else? So... Positive representation, number one, having like really, I think, honest, like representation of what the treatment looks like, I think is really helpful. Um, And this is not just for fat folks, but for all folks, like fertility clinics are notorious for misrepresenting facts about success rates and, you know, what that looks like for folks in, um, older bodies and how that looks for folks who maybe have chronic illnesses and I think just by you know again aligning with their values and being you know really honest about what the realistic picture of going through that treatment looks like is would be really powerful because you know I've I've never gone through IVF but I've worked with a lot of people who have and it takes you to a place in your body and your mind that you know, I don't think unless you've been through it that you can imagine because it's so the hormones and the drugs and the, you know, the place of having to go through that process is such a, you know, such a scary place. And I feel that people don't ever get to have the full facts about what they're doing before they go into it. And having that fully formed consent and giving everybody all the opinion, all the information so that they can make a proper, fully um, fully informed decision again it would be such a powerful process for folks to do I love that yeah and the experience I've had with the friends that I have had who've gone through it it seems very confusing very invasive very scary mm-hmm. I love that I think that that's a brilliant invitation and I think as well kind of for the last one maybe just making sure that people's mental health as well as their physical health is included in all conversations Mm. because again like we know how difficult this is emotionally and I think often beyond like bare minimum counseling it's never really fully um like looked at like both going during before and after treatment so a clinic that would be inclusive of folks like mental health and value that just as much as physical health I think would be Again, a pretty phenomenal thing for a clinic or practitioner or anybody to do. That's so important. I think that, you know, you are really bringing this this advocacy and this new piece to, you know, something that our bodies have been doing forever, right? Birth is the most natural thing um, that one can do. And so I'm curious how, as you've worked, you know, and, and even in your own pregnancy, like 
how has the process of giving birth changed your perspective um, around, you know, mothering around our society? Like, I'm just so curious how, like, what has shifted as you've gone through this process that when you were younger, you thought you just, you weren't going to get to participate in. That's such a powerful question. I think for me, it really brought pride, pride maybe for the first time ever in my body, like that it was capable of growing a human being and birthing Mm. a human being. And, you know, birth, you know, I'm not just meaning like vaginal birth, like any birth that you go through is such a powerful experience. And just knowing that your body is, is capable of doing that without you having to think about it, right? Like, you can grow a human without having to go, okay, now we do the eyes and then we do the feet and the fingers. And, you know, that is just wild. (laughs) It just does it. It's just, yeah, it's just like, it just kind of really brings that almost childlike magic back to the world of like, wow, like this is just beyond, you know, beyond, it's just a miracle really. And, you know, I often, you know, affirm to folks that I work with you know like your body is capable of miracles and I feel that that you know is so true and but I think mothering has really changed me as a person and it's you know when I was growing up I really believed that you know there was one type of mothering right like when you had a baby and then you became a mother but the more I do this work the more I see that actually there are so many types of mothering And it doesn't Mm. always involve giving birth to a baby. Like there are so many ways that we can nurture and support folks in a mothering way that brings that, you know. And again, mothering has almost got that negative connotation sometimes when you use it. You know, you're kind of that smothering kind of element. But mothering is such a beautiful energy to bring to any relationship with consent, of course. And there are so many ways that people can find um, a way to bring that natural maternal energy that they might have to other parts of their life if children doesn't end up being a part of their journey. So it really just opened my eyes to how incredible, you know, people are and how, how undervalued mothers are as well as, as a, you know, as a general population, because, you know, the more I, you know, the deeper I, be- I become a feminist, the more I really understand that, you know, so much of this is just unpaid labor, right? Like we have a whole force yeah. of people who are raising the next generation, unpaid, no holidays, and completely just undervalued and, you mm-hmm. know, underconsidered in our society. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways that my mind has kind of, expanded from Mm. this experience and yeah it's really uncovered so many more injustices in terms of how mothers are seen how we're looked after by our culture and society and how how frustrating and angry that can make me as well both for people who are already mothers and for people who want to be mothers or parents wow yeah that's beautiful it's almost like and I found this with with everything. I found this with my 
journey with fat liberation. It's like the more you know the truth, the more angry we are because (laughs) the truth is, is that there's such a lack of holding and care in our society that when we step into the role of, of, of caring for ourselves, caring for those in our community, it, it shows how, how little our society is, is holding the accountability and taking responsibility and, and how, you know, I think capitalism has really stripped us of that, um, that way in which we just sort of effortlessly support one another. Mm. Um, But I also love that you talked about mothering um, from a perspective of not everyone giving birth or, or having um, a baby from their body, that there's still mothering that occurs beyond that. And I think that is so true and like lately my partner and I have been um my partner is very queer um and so we we will sometimes like watch there's a show called Legendary which is about the queer ballroom scene but like a show we love to watch together is the show Pose uh we're both queer um and I'm like why am I just calling them queer we're all queer um in my household but it's beautiful because there's this, you know, this idea um, of the mother of the house and, and they really do take on, you know, these communities of people and, and they work together and um, and they're adult people that they're mothering or holding space for. And, and I just think it's so beautiful how when we break apart this sort of heteronormative idea of like a mom um, taking care of her family and like really invite where the idea of mother can come in. Like even with ourselves, I think we all have to re-identify how we mother ourselves because our mothers weren't given the care that they needed to be able to give, you know, like Mm. it's this sort of – it's this deficit in our society and our culture that creates all of these new and inventive ways for mothers to emerge and appear in places that we would probably historically not ever call that a mothering. Um, and I think it's amazing and beautiful and it's, it's coming from the resilience of people who've been told a lot of lies, I That's think. so beautiful. And you're so right. Like I think, you know, another thing that kind of capitalist culture has stripped from us is that, you know, common community, like, you know, they always talk about it takes a village to raise a child. And we, you know, beyond, you know, small pockets of community, like we miss that as a as a generation of being part of a village where we all are raising each other's children and having the opportunity to to be a part of that child's life. And I feel that, you know, that is such a big missing piece of of fulfillment in our lives you know being part of a community in that way if we if we aren't part of one obviously like like you say there are some places where that community is valued and put above all else and I think that's just phenomenal Mm. yes 
I love it. And I love the fact that we, you know, I think that there's so many ways in which um, the fat community has has really come together to care for each other. Just you in your work is like you're taking this space of care and this sort of beaconing of like, we need more data, we need more information. And you're sort of standing tall, writing books. Like I, ju- I just am so um, inspired by this community I get to be a part of because, I mean, fat excellence is real. We're <laughs> oh, out yeah. here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So you said you have uh, a child. How old are they? I've Tell got me two boys. I've got oh um, yes, one is seven and one is five. So yeah, when the first one was one, the other one came along. You know, again, <sighs> didn't really plan it. I'll have to admit, but you know, <laughs> babies come sometimes. They, do. they just come. They do. So yeah, so they are both two boys, both wild free mm. very loud children <laughs> but they're yes. amazing and they challenge me in so many ways every single day um to be more patient to be more kind and just yeah it's it's a it's an incredible adventure um but one you know that I hold so with so much gratitude because I know Mm. that not everybody gets to experience that and it's one that I know in a parallel universe that maybe I wouldn't have had to experience and I think because I've completed my family bar maybe getting a dog you know I'm in a position where I have that energy and capacity to give to this space because it's so Mm. raw and it's so it just takes so much out of you. You know, I feel so honored to represent folks in this space because, you know, the fertility journey just zaps everything. And, you know, I feel that I have this capacity to keep on giving and to keep pushing through the stuff that is hard and triggering and to have the difficult conversations with people because, because I haven't had to go through that myself. Is that, if that makes sense at all? Totally. Yeah. It's like you, and and you you may have needed to and because of what you were told when you were fifteen, right? Mm. Like, and so the the fact that you were able to debunk that myth about your particular body, and then able to to figure it out with relative ease, it's a beautiful way to birth this support for others where you see that there isn't that, and that they may be having a, a more difficult time. And so I would love if you could, you know, think about there might be some folks listening right now who are like, I'm trying. This is really hard, maybe a little demoralizing. What would you tell them? What may might someone need to hear if they're in the process of um, figuring out their own fertility? I would just want to give them a big hug and just tell them that you are so worthy and deserving of receiving supportive, nurturing, inclusive, affirming care to get to grow your family. Regardless of what anybody else says, you are truly deserving of that. Mm. I love that. 
I love that so much. And I actually have one other question that I just realized. It's like how, you know, we are, it is 2021. Cishet relationships are just not the only way. How do folks who are in, um, you know, different look in different relationships that, you know, maybe there might need to be some more support. Maybe it's, um, queer couples or trans couples or, or folks who are, um, you know, maybe even one or both are not able to physically have, um, the pregnancy themselves. And so it's, it's about surrogacy. Like how do you start to dive into the options um, like where's a great place to begin if you're, you know, maybe you're even listening to this, getting inspired and needing to know like, okay, well, you know, maybe I want to look into what my options are. Where would someone start? That is a great question. And I think I am not the expert. Absolutely not. Um, because that's not been my own experience. But I think, again, we, like we talked about earlier about crowd, you know, crowdsourcing yeah. information. You know, we are so lucky to live in a time where these pockets of community can pop up with people all over the world who are going through, a, you know, a similar experience to you. And just being able to find other people who've been through it, those are the people that are going to be able to give you ideas of what it would look like, of the kind of time it would take, the money that you might have to invest. Because unfortunately, we live in a world where, you know, folks who are in queer relationships, trans relationships, don't get access to the same treatments in the same way because of the ridiculous medical systems that we have. So I think having a realistic idea of, of what it what it's like, what it looks like, how it might feel, what decisions you'll have to make, all that information will definitely be, you know, the best place to get that will be from folks who've already gone through that, who are happy to share and happy to explore that with you. So definitely crowdsourcing. You know, if anybody's thinking, well, I don't even know where to start, you know, I'm so happy for folks to get in touch with me and I'm happy to like share stuff on my community to find people who may have experienced that and put you in touch with them. Like, Use whatever whatever skills you've got just to find those people who will be able to to give you an insight into what that might look like for you. And how, we'll just do a little plug, how do people find you? So I am on Instagram. That's just mainly the place I hang out now, which um, <laughs> my handle is Fat Positive Facility. Amazing. And through Instagram, you can find your blog. You can find everything that folks would need. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I post lots of research on my Instagram. I post lots of free resources just because I want to make this work as accessible as, you know, as we can. We already know there's a fat tax. We don't need, you know, we, we need this information to be freely available for folks to be able to yeah. access. So as much as I can, I try and make sure all the research that I find I, I share on my blog and my feed and, you know, just to give people those tools that they might need to advocate for themselves. That's amazing. I think that that's like, so such a great reminder is like, we can't keep this kind of information because there's already fat tax that we're paying. And without it, we're going to live lives where we think we're not fertile and we can't have babies of our own. Mm. And everybody so, deserves to 
to at least get the support to go through that experience if that's what they choose. Yes, I love that. I am, this has been such a great conversation. I have one more question. This is my, my moneymaker question. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were to have one wish, hope, or desire that you wanted to impart upon the world, um, and you could, you could, it was like a magic wand, a fairy dust, whatever magical apparatus you want to kind of put your wish out into the world, what would you wish for that would make the world more welcoming for fat folks, for fat folks wanting to get pregnant or just in general? Like, what would you do? I definitely would do free healthcare for everybody. Mm. I think people just need to have the option to, to, to have their healthcare needs met without worrying about finances or whether their BMI is too high or whether they're going to find someone who's going to support them in their relationship or their queerness or their trans. And yeah, so for everybody, free and, you know, affirming healthcare. I love that. I think I'm going to put a little extra dust on that one, hoping it comes (laughs) true. Fingers crossed. Yes. (laughs) This has been such... A super informative conversation as well as a lovely one. I feel like you have taken your passion and also your rage and you've been like, oh no, we're, we're going to learn about this together. <laughs> um, and I'm just so grateful that you are out in the world sharing this information, helping fat folks to feel empowered to pursue curiosity around how their bodies show up around their body's capabilities and power. And I'm just really grateful that you took the time today to have this talk with me. Thank you so much, Nicola. I'm so grateful for you, Anna. Thank you so much for having me and for just sharing this work. And yeah, it's just, I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) And if anyone needs to find um, more information or even chat with Nicola, at fat positive fertility via Instagram is the way to do it, right? Yeah, I answer all my DMs and everything. So absolutely, okay. I'm here to help people as much as I can. Uh, you are such an angel in the world. Well, thank you for being here. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye.